0: What's good guys, in today's edition on the DM Pod, I am joined by CEO of Crane Financial, Mr. Hollis Fully Love. Hollis and I grew up in the same community in Northwest Indiana. He is from East Chicago, Indiana, and I'm from Gary, Indiana. And Hollis has been putting in a lot of groundwork for his business and to see him continue to elevate is super dope, especially being from the same community. I was honored when he accepted the invitation to hop on the pod, to share his journey, and to share what all went into starting Crane Financial. Hope you all enjoy this episode. Peace. Welcome to another episode of the Duan podcast. I'm your host, Duan Joining me this week is a brother who wears many hats. He represents his community very well, being a product from East Chicago, Indiana. Him and I played basketball together growing up. And last but not least, he is the CEO of Crane Financial. The one and only Hollis Fully Love, pleasure to finally have you on a podcast, my guy. How's everything going for man,
1: you? it's going good, man. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be a part of the movement. Um, appreciate you for asking me to come on and having me, so looking forward to shopping it up.
0: No, it's. Uh, I see you've been putting in a lot of groundwork. For sure, for sure how's like just life been traveling from California to here and then sometimes going to Indy and Chicago, right?
1: How, how are you balancing everything? Uh, Man, you know, it's a daily grind. I remember last year I was like on a plane literally every day I was working still. So it would be, I'm at work in LA. I lived in the Bay. Um, I had business in Chicago, East Chicago and Indianapolis. So I was literally jumping around Um, and then, you know, it's, taxing on you. It's a lot of work. It's uh, mentally draining, emotionally draining, physically draining, but I mean, yeah. this is a blessing, bro, just to be able to have the freedom to move around, um, be able to have the obligations in all these different places. Um, it's, like I said, it's a lot to carry sometimes, but it's a blessing because this is what I wanted. You know, I wanted to be able to have that freedom and try to build my business to a level where, I could, where we would demand me to move around different places, you know what I mean?
0: For a lot of people wondering who is Hollis
1: Full of Love, how would you tell the people, like, who you are for those who do Right, so uh, I'm from East Chicago, first and foremost. And the main thing with me, uh, I've been doing, just grinding, working my business, Crane Financial. So what I do, I'm an accountant, I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, Crane Financial, we do financial services for individuals and small businesses. So whether that be taxes, we'll, we have companies that outsource their accounting function to us completely. So we'll run their payroll, we put together financial statements for them. Um, <clears throat> and then just from an entrepreneur aspect, you know, just trying to deal on a couple different levels, trying to get involved in real estate. Um, through Crane Financial we do a few different things in terms of uh, financial literacy and education. So you know, we talk to students and try to put the financial literacy seed in their head. Um, we right now in the process of building courses to inform people about how to purchase real estate from an invest- investment standpoint. Um, how to uh, invest in the stock market and I'm linking up with a couple different guys. Uh, uh, and ladies that are involved in these spaces to package together some product that can inform people. You know, so uh, my whole thing is financial literacy, financial empowerment. Um, one of the three marks the Crane Financials: educate, empower, inspire. We want everybody that we work with and come in contact with to feel empowered and to feel inspired to take their finances to that next level.
0: Absolutely. Do you think there's a gap in the African? african-american
1: community in terms of financial literacy yeah for sure and that gap uh, is is not even something that was happening in the classroom it's just something that happens uh, from a systemic standpoint it's the way society kind of kept us out of so many things uh, especially from for us to advance ourselves Um, so once that now now that our generation is having the opportunity to actually get that information it's our job to you know teach it up and teach it down so make sure we the younger kids are getting it as well and then also trying to educate our parents educate our aunts our uncles and see you know if there's things that we can help help them with because, like, they never got the opportunity to learn these things. A lot of these things were being told to people in closed-door meetings or people inside one family to the next, you know what I mean, but never really coming to us with it. So I think it's our responsibility to try to get that information as widespread as possible amongst ourselves in the community.
0: It's a, like, when I went to college and thinking about if I learned a lot of life skills. Right. In high school, I didn't. I had to learn everything on the go. Right. Because there was just the basics that you need to survive, which Mm -hmm. was finance. Right, learn about how to save. Right, um, they always. How much should you be saving? Right, right. and me um, playing abroad, you know they don't teach you how to save your money. Right, they just pay you mm-hmm. and thank you for your services. Exactly. So I think what you're doing for the community is really huge and. I'm thankful to have this pod just to spread more awareness yeah, uh, for the people who listen to my uh, podcast to know like, hey, there is a brother in our community right. who's spreading awareness with financial literacy. No, that's love, man. I
1: appreciate that. No, for sure. Um, what led to Crane Financial? Okay, so uh, when I went to school, I always was a high-performance student, like K-12. through so when I went to college, uh, I didn't know what I wanted to major in. I knew I wanted to be involved in business. I knew I wanted to learn about money because I didn't know anything about money. Like I said, nobody was available to teach me anything about money. So I wanted to learn about money, so I majored in finance and accounting, right? Just because I figured that would at least give me some sort of basis on it. Um, and from a business standpoint, it did. It taught me how to how the finances of businesses should work, but I didn't really have, it was not really classes available to teach you about your personal finance, right? So I learned about corporate finance. I learned about nonprofit accounting and managerial accounting and taxes and things of that nature, but I never learned about how I should be managing those things from a personal space, and nor was it being taught. So uh, that kind of was frustrating to me, so I tried to go seek that knowledge on my own. But one thing it did give me was the availability to learn these tools uh, of accounting that I'm almost like a mechanic, right? I can go and and apply those tools and apply that knowledge to any business that I come in contact with or any individual that I come in contact with from a tax basis. So uh, I kind of took that, and I, you know, I wanted to find a way out. When I was working in corporate America, I really wasn't feeling like I was being utilized to my best abilities or that I was even being a priority to. Nobody cared about what Hollis wanted to accomplish and what Hollis could accomplish. It was more so to make sure that the organization was accomplishing their goals. So from that, myself, I was like, okay, I can start my own organization, and I can accomplish my goals and whatever personal uh, missions I have, not only for myself but for my community through that, and that's where Crane Financial started.
0: How long did it take you to get off the ground? And and how much money did you have to come out
1: of your own pocket? Man, so uh, the thing about the finance and accounting industry is it has probably one of the most highest uh, profit margins of any business because uh, what you get out of a client, what you could charge, doesn't really necessarily take too much of a physical toll on you, or uh, it doesn't require many tools, all you need is a computer for the most part. So uh, all I had to do was buy a laptop, I bought a MacBook, it was like $1,400, I was like dead broke at the time. So I uh, I used a credit card and got it, and from there I was able to get my first client within like a week. So I was able to break even on getting that credit card done because I had a client that had a landscaping business that hadn't done anything over the last two years. We put their books together for them. I was able to break even on that on that uh, computer instantly, and then also uh, I was able to have a monthly income. You know what I mean? So cause now I'm working with them on a month excuse month to month basis, and we had a monthly bill that had to pay me so. That was my first client. Within there, I uh, had a frat brother reach out that had a moving service. Same thing. Hadn't done anything in a while. Was able to uh, put a, put together a bill that was going to be a lump sum, and then also had that monthly income. So immediately, I started seeing the fruits of my labor in the business. It wasn't like I was making big money, or I was like ball or anything. But um, whatever initial investment I had, it came right back to me. So that kind of taught me just the nature of this business. Anything that you put into it, you'll get right back out of it, as long as you're able to you know make those connections and build clientele
0: what
1: challenges did you face oh the first challenge at first I think I was 22 right so just being young and black in this industry when you think accounting you don't necessarily think a young black man right and I never tried to come remember right it from a standpoint of I'm a, a dress the part I'm a look the part I was gonna, my thing was if this is my business I need to be able to be myself so right so I could be professional I can you know wear suits and all that good stuff like you know not having a problem doing that, I do it all the time for any formal business meeting, but if you was to come into my office we wearing jeans uh, or khakis and a polo. We can keep it simple, we're gonna, we're gonna be comfortable. Um, but people were skeptical, right? Because I'm a young black man, I'm talking about finance and that just really wasn't what the narrative was for us at the time. So uh, that was the first hurdle. And then people taking you serious, even in your peer group, right? People might they like people would say, this is a side hustle, like no, nah, this is my life. Right. Like Crane is my middle name, like I'm not playing around, this is what I do. My name is on it. Exactly, like, and I, and I took it that serious and you know, Until you show how serious you are about something, until you show the investment you put into it, people won't take it as serious, you know what I mean? So that was one of the biggest hurdles for sure. But once people came in contact with me and they start working with me and they see how consistent we were and how serious I was, those hurdles started to fall and they continue to. And then I'm only going to get older, right? I can't get no younger. So the age thing starts to phase out. This is the fifth year I've been doing this now.
0: Man, I I applaud you because when I first started doing this thing, the podcasting, people was like, Oh, that's cool but they didn't know that I was right. gonna be consistent with right. it because people put out a first couple of episodes and they were right. like oh Rico that's that's cool but then I started getting guests because I was putting out consistent right. content right. and then once people started to take my shit serious yeah. they're like man um, do you mind if I be a guest right but it I didn't take get, yeah, yeah <laughs> now it took them after like 30 plus episodes to mm-hmm. let them know like no actually have a lot of good guests and you missed out because you waited you just right. wanted to see how long it was going to linger right and i think from my art community a lot of people wait too long before they hop on something for sure for sure
1: and a lot of times it's not necessarily because they they hate on you or they dislike you it's out of fear mm-hmm. and so people will put off their insecurities on you and tell you what you can't do because of the, their own fears they have about themselves you know what i'm saying or uh, I mean, sometimes it's gonna be hate, but you can't even pay any attention. What well, I always try to focus on is who is rocking with me. Um, and I, like I said, the young was an advantage because I knew everybody that I worked with, my peer group from the ages of 21 to 25 at the time when I was 22. I'll have I can build relationships with them, and we can they can last forever. So their younger brothers, younger sisters, kids, they will all become clients of mine eventually as time goes on. You know, For what I mean? sure. So it was because like, taxes is a thing just from that standpoint that happens forever it's never going anywhere for sure everybody has to do it so it's just a matter of time before we build a relationship to make someone a client and then it's a point of keeping that client f- forever you uh, know? absolutely
0: and what sparked crane conversations um, shout out to coach Pete right that was a dope episode yep, I, checked guy, um, I checked out I checked out I learned a lot about coach Pete and obviously he was always down to earth but hear him just elaborate
1: on his story and right. his grind was really dope. He's OG. Right. Um, oh, shout sure. out to Soulmates. For sure, shout out to Soulmates. So uh, with the Crane Conversations aspect, I looked at it all as uh, what did I want to build my business? Uh, not just so much Crane Financial but the business of how I was full of love. How did I want to grow and expand that, right? Um, so you look at everything has to be multi-dimensional and things need to be able to touch each other so one hand could watch the other, right? So with Crane Conversations, it was a multi layer aspect of one um, I want to encourage more business to come, um, just from black people or entrepreneurs as a whole. Where I want to see that, see more of that. So one way that I can encourage that is to kind of get people an insight on how other people started their businesses. What circumstances was were they going through? What obstacles they have? What some of the challenges they face? And through educating and people telling their stories, it kind of would put other put others at ease and say, "Well, if they did that, I could do that as well, right?" So that was one thing. Another thing was. Uh, I've always been big on Black History, so first is like we can highlight this for Black History Month, right? It's a way to show love. We not we not gonna focus on like negative things or even so some of the older things that we hear all the time. We focus on some of the things that's going on right here, right now in our community, right? And then from uh, the third aspect was you know this is still another way to promote what we do as a business and um, you know and directly do some marketing. So it's a win win win. Like, no, uh, I think that's dope. Um, have you had
0: any like just doubt? obviously as you continue to go through the grind and, right because sometimes people will not share how they feel right but that doesn't mean that your shit's not dope right, right it's just right. people' egos cool. you know, you know, know it's, it's and it's, it's human cool. nature but you know once you have that confidence that you know your shit is raw right that's going to take you a long way 100%. and i think you've been doing a phenomenal job of just sticking to your blueprint mm-hmm. and be like man let me expand to my network and start right. having these crane conversations. Right,
1: right. So for me, it's always about like uh, just from a sh- like what I think is cool or not. Like I, I, trust my taste level, but then also the people I have around me, I trust what they think too. Right. right. So if my core group of people are telling me, and it's not these not even people that I gotta hang out with all the time, people who I I trust, they they, they opinion. If they telling me it's a no go, then I then I'll be shaking on it. You know what I mean? For sure. But if, I know I'm confident in it, and those people, if they give me a thumbs up, then I know it's good to go. Uh, if anybody else don't rock with it, it's only a matter of time before they do. You know For what sure. Because I, mean? I know the work that go into it, I know the quality of what we present is always going to be at. So um, it's, if it ain't your flavor, that's cool, but I'm just going to focus on whose it is. You know what Absolutely. I
0: mean? No, that's huge. And I applaud but you. As far
1: as doubt go, I appreciate yeah. that. Mm-hmm. But doubt wise, nah, I haven't had any doubt uh anything I've been doing in my businesses. And that's not because I'm Superman or anything like that, but I just heard so many other successful people tell their story, and they always uh, talked about how it's not being successful is not about being right every time or the first time, it's just about not quitting and keep going. So I knew with everything I was doing, whether it didn't work out or not, or if I didn't hit the expectations that I wanted to hit day one or day two. Um, it's just about keep going and continue to put the work in and continue to try something new or continue to mix it up and identifying when you when you do fail and say, okay, what was the lesson in that and how to change it is really... Uh, so, yeah, doubt. Human nature, yeah, you're going to have a little bit of doubt, but I always try to overcome it and think like, you know, I'm just going to keep going, keep putting the work in one day at a time.
0: Oh, that's super. Who's
1: been your biggest influence in your life? Influence in terms of just business? There's so many, man. Um, in life in general, I'll say my grandmother. You know what I mean? Because my grandmother was in a situation where that... Probably wasn't ideal for the time period, you know. She had my mom at 15 years old and was a single parent and all that, but never use it as an excuse. Like that was never something that we was getting beat over the head about from my mother or my aunts or anything like that. And my grandmother like really fed us as a family spiritually, um, pushed the education. You know, what I'm saying mentally and emotionally, like we had a really solid family unit, and my grandmother was the head of that. So that's probably been my biggest uh, inspiration. Just hands I
0: Appreciate you sharing that, Hollis, and, and we're going to take it back to the past. Uh, because obviously, I went to Bowman, you went to Chicago, sure. high school, for sure. and, and for those who was around that era, early uh, 2010s, yep. um, we have always had sold-out games. And yeah. It was a dope rivalry. <laughs> yeah. Mar- Marvin, when we used to play AAU, rest in peace, Coach Gates. Yeah. Um, Marvin used to say, like, Man, I can't wait to play y'all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Hollis, we, we about to get after you. Yeah, 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 I how, how, was that, how was that vibe, though, like, Obviously, as you reflect of how crowded it was and not, I don't know if you've been to a local game, but it's, it's not like the that same. No more. Yeah. yeah, people used to just be amped up about just going to this
1: game right. and, and sold out. So, you know, for me, it's different, right? And, I, like, I remember going to, like, cause growing up, I'm in Gary all the time because my pops were Gary. So, I remember going to Roosevelt Westside games. After a biddy ball practice, after you practice, that's just crazy. You know what right. I mean? Jam-packed, everybody going crazy on a Tuesday, Wednesday night. I remember going to EC West Side games. Uh, when I got to high school, EC Munster, when we had Etuan and Munster, had they guys, I can't remember the dual name, uh, they had they group of guys. Or EC West Side still through high school, and it was Horace and Wesley versus Etuan and KK, right? right. So, like, when we got to, when it was our time, and it was our time, like, again, me playing with y'all my whole life, y'all was the guys I played with AAU wise or bitty ball wise and then it's like, I'm playing with my other team with guys I play with in school ball always, sure. right? So it was, it was always a little more personal for me because I got to hear about this. If we lose, I got to hear about this all summer, all spring, right. you know what I mean? It's gonna be a bunch of trash talk. But I remember my junior year, my wrist was broke so I couldn't play, right? So my coach was coming to me the week before, like the week of the game, like trying to give me like break down everybody game, what they got to offer on y'all team. And I'm like, you know, doing the best I can to scout, but I'm hurt because I can't play. Like right. I literally just broke my wrist. So that one was a heartbreak. But that was a that was a great game. It was a double overtime that yeah? Yeah. Double overtime. Great game. We should have won. We missed yeah. we lost the game on the free throw line. You had a, remember. Yeah, you a had, triple double. I believe you had a triple like, double. Like flex. Yeah did. you did.
0: Um, that was before social media, like Nick yeah. and those guys was I was blessed always always talk about them because I was blessed to have big brothers. And yeah. I was the only social media one at the yeah, time. Yeah, because you was younger. You was a little more. You was oh, a yeah. little adapt to it. Yeah, and, and Nick and those Tyree, those guys, CB. Yeah, they were man, really rocking with it. Yeah, yeah. it was like, <laughs> that's, that's what we do. But the support I have from them, I will forever embrace that. Because yeah. if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be at where I. I mean, in my basketball career without
1: right. them, they yeah. sacrificed a lot. I mean, they were so confident in you. So yeah. I remember, because I remember, you first you wasn't like, you was a little tall, but right. you was a little chubby, remember? right? And then when you, you like grew, and that the, they confidence level just of you, even though you was a couple years younger, was just like, it was astounding how they trusted you so much yeah. as a teammate, and they kind of like put everything behind you, like we, we gonna almost run through Rico, you know what I mean? Even though they have, they was older and haven't played right. together for even longer. And, longer. and you yeah. don't
0: see that as often now no. um, within the brotherhood of, of local basketball, right? Um, because even to this day, I could, even though I don't talk to him every day, mm-hmm. Marvin put us through that that grind where oh, yeah. like, we see each yeah. other. It's like a separate fraternity. You bro, know what I mean? Every like time you, we see each other, is it's, it's, you know, you know, you yeah. know, you know,
1: you done ran no suicides. You know, you done not been in Norton Gym, no air conditioning, right? You did Top, the summer the Top bro, running. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's funny because uh, I was at a little kids uh, like a developmental league thing. They probably in the first grade, and the coach like, you know, we gonna run lines. The guys were like, man, they get it. Easy. We was running suicides. And yeah, it was like, they telling you why it's called a suicide. Like it was no cap. You you we went through the trenches with it, and then not even just. On the court, off the court, if I'm acting out of line, Marvin, Bone Deep, they would whoop me like they was my yeah. father. You know Yeah, what I mean? yeah <laughs> like, they, they would be on that. Exactly. So it was like really a family they, environment. They tried to uh, write a book about that. Yeah, uh, like a negative book.
0: Yeah, we had this brother from Michigan City. Oh, uh, okay. I know we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how Marvin got it off the shelves, but Marvin. Payment. Marvin
1: had that paper. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Marvin how he drunk. did it. Man, yeah. nah, no, I wasn't, that was never a negative thing, though. The yeah. way they treated us, and I never took it as they was trying to harm us. It was like, these men care about us. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Think about, like, as adults now, all the wild stuff we hear about adults and kids. That was never my experience with them. It was always no. love like and protection. And they were, Trying to make a way for us to have opportunities. They, they wanted the best for us. They did. At the end, did. end of the day. And they didn't, they wasn't looking for nothing in time. You know what I'm saying? This,
0: this current era... They won't be able to take Marvin and D coaching. Oh no, for sure no. Um mm-hmm. not because, because Marvin has zero tolerance. Yeah. And if not, somebody got stolen. Yeah, it could <laughs> be so. <laughs> and you better kept it in the gym. Yeah. If not, you
1: yeah. kicked off the team. Right. But it wasn't, again, I never felt like it was a place of like negligence. Or right. They don't care about me. Like we well, was young, but I always like, for example, my junior year, we had a tournament. Um, I had to go to the prom or I was going I wanted to go to the prom. I ain't had no way to get from a prom because my parents is out of town to the tournament. And Marvin and Bone was like, now we'll stay back. Go ahead, go to the prom. <laughs> get dropped off at my house. We'll take you to the games on Sunday." And they did that. Yeah, I, I got dropped off at his house at three in the morning, and him and Bone drove me to Fort Wayne to go play in the game on Sunday. That's They'd underrated. Like, I, I didn't go to Bone Man. They got nothing away from me. These just guys I know my whole life looking up.
0: They the what they did now and you, and you see the coaches is just not the same, which no. is not this era's fault, it just is what it is, but yeah. it just showed the type of person Marvin was yeah. to everybody, because even if you saw him, and even though you he coached, he coached that Bowman, Marv still showed you love, still, he'd still. be like, yo, you trying to get the Bowman? I still. got you. Man, I remember,
1: <laughs> not even them, Uh high school, a couple of my guys, they got into a little trouble, Yeah. before I even knew what's going on, Marv come like, where they at, let's go get them right now, I'm like, alright, like, come on, <laughs> let's go, he like, where they at, let's go get, like, again, he not getting nothing out of this, you know right. what I mean, like, we couldn't benefit him in no kind of way. None of us was going to the NBA from that standpoint. Like, it was going to be something for We him never talked up. about professional level. Nothing. Yeah. It was just to make in sure. In high
0: school, we never talked about, Rigo, you're going to play professionally or any of the guys. Yeah. It was just about
1: how we get into college. Right. <laughs> just to get us out of the environment we was in. Like, bro, he took us to Disney World. We was nine years old. Like, yeah. going to Disney World sounded like a dream when you were a kid in, in this environment. You know right. what I mean? And he, I remember he told us, it was like, February of 2001. He took me, him, and Nick, and my dad at the Hudson Campbell. He like, y'all must know we're going to Disney World this year. Like, we just like, oh, okay, whatever. Right. Damn, we playing tournament. We went to tournament, and we could really go to Disney World. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. blow my mind. Like, that don't happen to kids where we come from. That's
0: super That's super dope that you even have that memory, because now you could tell these cats, like, yeah, Marvin Ray was a G. He's a visionary, man. He was um, a visionary, for sure. And he got an engineering degree yeah.
1: from Purdue. Like, everything he did was optional. <laughs> Barbara Ray is the GOAT, for sure. What what led you to go to Butler? Butler? Okay, so my sister went to Butler, uh-huh. right? My older sister went to Butler. And me and her, uh, we opposites for the most part, just personality-wise. So I was like, man, I'll never go to that school. It's not for me. You know what I mean? Like, it's too small. I would never do it. So when I was going through the process of picking schools, I had schools that wanted be like, smaller schools wanted me to come play basketball. I had, I could have went to any of the large state schools, right? But I didn't want to go to Purdue just because I didn't like it. There was right. always construction going on. Lafayette was like in the middle of nowhere. Same for Indiana State, so that was not an option. IU was a strong, strong option for me, but it was like, man, so many distractions, so many people. I don't want to get sidetracked. When I went to Butler to visit, I just had went to visit. They had offered me a lot of money and scholarships, and then they also made it feel like home because all my sister's friends had came and like was like, okay, you Felicia, little brother. This is how we can help you, X, Y, and Z. And it kind of felt like it was already set up for me to succeed, so I went, and it really was because these same people helped me go and like kind of steer me towards certain internships or steer me towards certain programs to benefit me uh, on campus, and it was it was great. Coming from East
0: Chicago and then navigating a Butler, which is a predominantly white institution, right. um, I'm pretty sure you can relate to my experience when I went to DePaul. Mm-hmm. It was PWI. Yeah. How did you? navigate through that. And it's in the city too. The butler's right. in
1: right in the middle of Indianapolis and the park, right in Chicago.
0: Right. So how did you navigate through that knowing that you didn't see a lot of brothers
1: that you was accustomed to day in, day out? Right. So I mean, I kind of drew from all the experience, right, uh of going on them AU tournaments mm-hmm. and not necessarily being around a bunch of black people all the time or being right. in different environments, right? right? Or uh my parents had sent me to conferences when I was in high school, like educational things and it kind of was like you the only one, you know what I mean? So it was never, it wasn't foreign to me in the sense of I've never been here before, um, and then also being from that environment, it just kind of made me a little bit tough. I had to chip on my shoulder, like you know, you I'm, using my, I'm a, I I can endure more than you can. I can work harder than you. None of y'all gonna outgrind me, you know what I mean? Because I know where I am come from. I'm not trying to go back. There you you go. feel I me? Mean? So. It was a situation where I kinda tried to take all my experience and use it to my advantage as opposed to looking at it as it as, oh, this is so different, I can't handle it. Like, nah, if I can come out of this, I can come out of anything. This is a piece of cake. No question. Yeah.
0: It took me two years to adapt. Yeah. Uh at the Paul. I, I kid you not, because uh it was everything was so foreign, everyone right. was there for studies. Mm-hmm. And and being coached by Marvin, yeah, we just talked to our guys. That's right. it. Right. Outside of Bowman obviously it was like a family there but on the court you just talk to your guys mm-hmm. and, and you stay close together but when I was at DePaul I'm like man it's bigger than basketball now. right it's business you, it's business yeah. now now it's like I tore my ACL now I got network. Right. you got hurt your, your freshman, freshman day, right? yeah. yeah so it was like oh Marvin's not here yeah it's a business for the staff right they replaced me they found somebody else right. quick they didn't know how fast I was gonna recover I mm-hmm. came back in 10 months I'm like, man, I got to network yeah. because um, I figure out which world. okay now I got somewhere I'm, else to go. Yeah, because I'm, sure I'm not, not feeling loved. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a priority. I'm everyone's here is from Chicago that I'm looking at on the roster. Mm-hmm. There's only three of us from Indiana, right? So it took me two years to adapt to the culture at the Paul, right? And then from there going to JUCO and then Moorhead State, mm-hmm. it was all a testimony. Like I gotta go in an uncomfortable situation. Right.
1: So I can strive, and you got to endure these obstacles too. Yeah, right? you, uh, and I mean, I can imagine it had to be tough just from a standpoint that you was like a really good high school basketball yeah. player, right? So, um, and like I said about me going to Butler, I felt like it was already set up for me to succeed because it's right. people that's invested in my, not just me, but my family, and right, that, making sure I do okay, right? It was like the small amount of black people that was there that was their mission to make sure that we, you get through this. For and sure, you, got, you feel like you got people here and got your back um so you go going to a place where you're not you don't have that same environment around you people that truly care about you and they right. tell you all this good stuff they yeah so many dreams you
0: get hurt so me mean toward right. acl yeah until i went to like juco yeah which i was beloved right they showed me lo- i was priority <laughs> like yeah. that's the second home when it's in florida mariana yeah. florida next to florida state okay those people treat me love and then moorhead state in kentucky mm-hmm. The head coach was Sean Woods. So so he was Marvin Ray 2.0. Yeah. So he had my best interest. So yep. I'm like,
1: damn. That's that's, that's Chris Woods' cousin. I, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. <laughs> so he
0: was like, once that small word, he's like, when he called me, I was playing a video game, He like, Yo, you need to come back to the crib. I know your family. Yeah. Chris yep. Woods used to train you. Yep, yep. Um, and from there the knowledge was like, go where you're wanted mm-hmm. don't go for the name Yep. because now in this era, you could just make it out from anywhere yeah
1: um, especially if your youtube highlight nights. yeah
0: for <laughs> sure i mean you see the uh celebrity game mm-hmm. um it was a lot of brothers who i didn't know but you knew like ronnie 2k yep for the putting out the content yep. uh filet mm-hmm. um so the list goes on but just getting out that comfort zone, like, what did it mean to just be a product from East Chicago, Indiana, and then make it to where you are today?
1: I mean, I feel like I haven't really made it that far. People tell me that a lot uh, recently, but I'm still in the trenches. Like, I don't for really, sure. like, I'm tunnel vision with the work. But like I said, I carry, like, I'm an EC dude through and through. I bleed. Right. I got Cardinal Pride. Like, we was there talking you go. about that yesterday, one of my friends. I got Cardinal Pride. I'm EC everything for me, so... Um, I wear it as a badge of honor, like I said, like a chip, because people don't know where that is, you know what I'm saying? Like, you meet somebody, any, even in Chicago, you're from East Chicago, like, what's that? So I wear that as, like, no, nah, you're going to remember this, you know, you're going to know where I'm from, you're going to know what I'm about, and you're going to know what I got to offer, and I'm going to make my step on this world one way or another, and it's going to be known, I'm from East Chicago. So I just always took all the negatives people said about where I was from, uh, anybody tried to write it off, and I took it as, I flipped it as a fuel to motivate me, you know what I mean? Like, yep. No question. Got to wear it. Even, you know, from as being from here. People going to look at you sideways. They're going to have their little jokes. And I'm like, nah, like, I mean, I'm, I'm built for it. Like, right. there's nothing that can break me. I'm not fragile. You know, I'm for not sure. brittle. I'm built for the storm. S- speaking of built
0: for the storm, you're also a member of Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity sure. Incorporated. Who sure. influenced you to pick, you know, what organization you wanted to join? Man. Um, did you always wanted to join Omega?
1: I did. I did. I always did. Uh, not like I even knew what it was about. It just had caught my eye. You know, when you a kid and you see things and they catch your eye. So that was that was the initial for me. And then when I got to school, like guys was like coming up to me in different organizations. There was no cues, no undergrad cues in the state of Indiana when I got to school. Like zero at any schools, right? So, uh, but guys were, like from other organizations started coming to me and like try to foster relationships. I didn't know if it was like. For, just genuine try to be friends of if it was on recruitment type time but for me it was just like that kind of threw me off because it's like well, how are you recruiting me this organization's been around for a hundred something years you know what i mean whatever organization it was um so i started to do research just so i could have an understanding about what all the different organizations was organizations were about and then when i saw what omega sci-fi which was already like from outside looking in a preference of mine Friendship is essential to the soul. You see what the you know cardinal principles are. And I'm like, oh, this is definitely something I can stand for. for like, sure. I can give, because I've always been, my last name is full of love. I've always been friendly, always real close with my friends. Like, I had the same friends for years, you know what I mean? Like, that's just how I am. I'm a friendship type first guy. So that really struck a chord with me. when I got to uh, know some of the guys I was uh, older, that lived in the city of Indianapolis and got to know them, And you know, it just was made sense and there was no other question like for me to be Omega like South. I wouldn't own my business if it wasn't for Omega Sapphire. Like, my frat brothers really sat me down and walked me through how to become a business owner, how to start the specific business that I'm in. Way the market, they gave me my name. Crane Financial like, man, your middle name Crane. Why not Crane Financial? Like, they really walked me through all that. And I just thought it was important to have those male uh, figures in your life. I was not just my father, because my father's experience only has his own experience, you know what I'm saying? He can only teach me what he knows from what he's learned it's people that have had different experiences that look just like me you know what i mean that could help me navigate through whatever i'm trying to navigate through in this world so i have instead of just having one mentor and my father i have multiple you know what i mean just the same way marvin ray was you got people that come from all different backgrounds that got all different experiences but they still invested and want you to win why not pull from all those resources so no
0: absolutely i, I appreciate you sharing that um you know oh six sure. of the good brothers uh <laughs> Uh, my dean is from Gary. Okay. From Moorhead State yeah. and I knew I wanted to be Greek and, and going to Moorhead State, it was a small percentage of black people. Right. There was a small chapter and I went to this uh, social event on campus. Right. And the brother was like, you know, what's your name? Like Dewan. said, man, let's stay in contact after, you know, after the event. Right. His area code was 219. Oh, uh, for sure. So you all Yeah, instantly in instantly Kentucky. Yeah. yeah. So and he was like I'm from Gary. I run a chapter here. Okay. For Alpha from there we took off. Yeah. And and just, um just then the, like the string of bad decisions just start following you. Yeah, it was uh <laughs> you know I always listened to what guy was pulling me to. Okay. And and once there was a mentor of mine now mm-hmm. who would travel with the team. Yeah. So he was like the team's, uh, like a chaplain. Yeah. Okay. Um, is going on, you come to him. Mm-hmm. He was frat. Okay. Yeah. Frat. So, it everything fell into place. Yeah,
1: it made, made it, it make it make sense. It, to it you made it
0: made sense to me. Dean's from Gary. The guy who's traveling with us is Alpha. Right. Um, they both crossed from Alpha South. Mm-hmm. So they've been they've been through the trenches. Right. Um. And so from there I'm like, man, let me just change the culture for myself because beyond college, the relationships that I have goes beyond my teammates. Right. Respectfully. No, sure.
1: I mean it should.
0: Yeah. Right. They they anytime I need help, they don't care about basketball. Right. You know, they just care about my mental health and my well being. Yeah. My right. life it's after true. basketball. Yeah. Um, and and so I encourage a lot of brothers from our
1: community. To look for organizations if it's meant for you yeah i mean um, because uh, anything that you become a part of should feed into your life should pour into your for life for sure you know what i mean so uh these organizations man they really have the they have the, they've had the impact on what thousands of black men from the beginning of time and women too from the beginning of from the beginning of their uh from, from their birth so it's like it, it makes sense uh you could find one that you connect with find people that you can connect when you guys are like containment so, the first brother
0: to to join um, and the Ooh. org was E. Ray, Elijah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 Elijah, man. man that's
1: my yeah, 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 he, he moved out in Florida. Yup, yup, oh he, man, he man, got, he got full, married, yeah, yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I used to see my <laughs> time when he's, he's the IUPUI. yeah, so I used to see Elijah all the time, man. That's my guy, you know, what I mean? Um, always cool, cool as the other side yeah, of the pillow. Shout out to my guy, E. Ray, you know, he ball hit it. Yeah, too, I, bro, I, I remember the, the transformation the losing yeah. his head. i am be like, dang, bro,
0: last thing, man. Um, you was an underrated player, you remind me of Rip Hamilton. Thanks, man, I appreciate um, that, I appreciate you, that. You had the Tony Allen uh, energy. Yeah, for sure, some, I'm some high energy guy. You was guarding the other team's best player, Yeah. you made it uncomfortable for them. Yeah. Uh, for a lot of people who didn't think Hollis played ball before he got his business going, but you was very underrated and you played hella that. good defense. And you was that glue guy that you need on the team yeah. to be a
1: championship team. Yeah, like uh, I would like, I think for like high school, my high school team, I always would have been like Draymond grade, right? For sure. Because I would bring the defensive intensity. I'm like the heart soul, I would bring the energy. Yeah. And As a, playing like the four position, I can handle the ball, I could bring it up, get the rebound and just go. So, right, yeah. you was coming off screen, that's why I
0: give you the Rip Hamilton Yep, Yeah, yo, and you see, t- I did a lot more shooting, yup, yup. Coming off the screen and knocking down at three, very consistent and, and you kept that that mental attitude like we're gonna get this dub got to bro. um so that i respect that a lot i appreciate bro. you bro i appreciate um, you. Um, do you
1: still love the game
0: i do yeah. i do god bless me to continue to get phone calls yeah to play that's when i got back from macedonia yeah but i i like the pod because on a business and they, they can't fool me yeah they know that I have a platform outside the game. Right. And when you show a club that you're doing something outside of basketball, it makes right. you more dangerous. Yeah, because the night is gonna depend on them. Right. right. Um, but I do. Without basketball, I wouldn't have this. Yeah. Without basketball, I wouldn't have the relationships that I have. Right. So that's why I continue to pour into my craft in the gym. Yeah. And that's why I, I keep it. I keep my two pages separate mm-hmm. with my basketball content and, then, yeah, and my pod page. Content. Because I don't want my pod to oversaturate my basketball. Yeah. And Um, also,
1: people need to be able to respect both of them individually. Yeah,
0: for sure. Um, But yeah, I I do love the game, and it continues to grow on me because I learned so much. Yeah. Before, I wasn't breaking it down the game like I am now in terms of your game. I would just play it. Yeah. But I mean, you was
1: athletically just better than everybody. Right. right? So you didn't have to. Right. (laughs) But now I
0: break down the game, and when I went to Macedonia, the head coach picked me up. my job was to make sure that we stayed top three
1: mm-hmm.
0: in the league. Right. Um, and I had 18 and 25. Okay. So the same way I play in high school and in co- I, I play the same way at professional level. Okay. Because there's not a lot of players that's going to bring that energy on both ends as they get older. Yeah. And so yeah. when they see a player that's just still averaging a double double, and like to this day I still lead that league in rebounding.
1: I mean, you're talking about defensive intensity. You was like a terror. On the, on the glass, you know what I'm saying? you yeah. was like, like, almost like KG type intensity because you're going to talk, you know what I mean? You're going sure. to play, talk, try to physically They get people. that energy in Europe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's crazy yeah. because, it,
0: <laughs> i tell you this, a lot of brothers can't make it in Europe because their loved ones isn't there supporting them. Right. That's it's how like I know conference. I love the game because when I had 15 and 12, and there was nobody there to tell me great game. Right. Beside my agent, hit me up. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, keep doing it. That's it. Because mm-hmm. in Europe, you by yourself. Right. Your teammates are your colleagues. Mm-hmm. Outside of the other American, they like, yo, we just got to keep balling. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I do love the game, and, and I'm thankful for the game. That's what's up. Um, but yeah, you guys, there you have it. The one and only Hollis Fully Love. Appreciate you again, my brother, for just taking the time out of your day um, and hopping on a pod and getting a little bit of uh, insight from our community, knowing about who you are. Um, You guys, do not forget to hit subscribe and leave a review. Stay tuned for next week.
1: Also, keep the Crane conversations rolling. Appreciate you, man. I'm going to do a little plug, shameless plug. Cranefinancial.org for all your financial needs. Um, Also, uh, follow us on YouTube, Crane Financial uh crane conversations we're gonna try to keep that content coming as much as possible man we just want to give you guys some insight on uh, entrepreneurship and people's journey and the work that it takes to do it
0: what's good guys we are back hope you all enjoy hearing mr fully love's journey and what all went into crane financial Be on the lookout as well because I will have the links to Crane Conversations so you guys can check that out and also look for the visual content I will have for this episode via YouTube. Guys, stay tuned for tomorrow and also do not forget to subscribe and leave a review. Peace.